to Cyberology, Dakota State University's podcast about all things cyber and technology. I'm Jen Burris. Hi, my name is Gabe Midland. And today we have a guest, Renee Spahn. She is Director of Health Information Management Programs here at DSU. And she's about to talk about the digitization of health information. Renee, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Dr. Renee Spahn. I have been the Director of Health Information Management Programs and coordinator for the Master of Science in Health Informatics and Information Management programs here at DSU um, for about five years. Prior to that, I served as a HIM faculty member at DSU, and I've spent about 30 years out in the field of health information management working in various roles in acute care hospitals, long-term care um, corporate office for Good Samaritan Society and uh, for hospitals in Alamosa, Colorado and in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So I've had a long um, career in health information management. I have served in various capacities at the Good Samaritan Society, as I said, where I worked as the director of clinical applications over electronic health records. I have worked as the Director of Quality Services for the Good Samaritan Society and worked as a consultant in HIM. So had a long history, and I am a DSU alum from 1984 from our health information management programs. Very cool. Yeah. So what is digital health? Digital health is essentially where healthcare delivery and technology meet. So healthcare is transforming how and where services are provided for patients and how the data is collected, how it's analyzed, how it's used for decision-making, and the ultimate goal is personalization for patient and improved healthcare outcomes. So hopefully in the future we'll be able to predict risks for patients and make adjustments to their care plan early in helping patients to use technology as a tool to advance and helping clinicians to actually use that tool for patient care um, to advance the personalization of healthcare and to improve outcomes. So when we talk about the digitization of health information, what is that exactly? In the most simple terms, it's really automating the patient medical record. Broadly speaking, digital health information is documentation collected in a patient's health record in an electronic format during and after receiving care by healthcare providers. Um, it's the process of ensuring that the data that's collected by clinicians and others, that it's complete, accurate, timely valid, and secure. So a health information manager is typically responsible for protecting patient information, making sure access to the patient record is limited to only those providing care to the patient. So those that really only have a need to know what's in that patient health record. Another responsibility is ensuring patient care is documented as timely, complete, and accurate as possible after a healthcare worker provides care or services to the patient. Would you actually say that um, security and cybersecurity come into the health technology sector a little bit? We have a say in health information management about who has access to what portions of the medical records. So when, when new employees' profiles of access to the electronic health record are decided, um, 
health information management professionals have a say in what level of access you get to each section of a patient's medical record based on what your need is and what your role is. The other place is uh, health information management directors serve in many capacities, and one of those capacities is being a privacy officer usually. And with that, if there are any reported um, breaches of patient information. Typically, they are part of a team. They're leading a team along with the security officer in a hospital setting to um, investigate the breach and to do any reporting if there's any state or federal reporting that are required based on the size and type of the breach. So I'm kind of wondering, and this comes from just a very limited background of what I've heard on the news and things like that, but it's been a while now that we've had the HIPAA Act, where that health information is is more regulated than it had been before that. I'm wondering if you and your colleagues, um, I'm assuming that you had a lot to do with putting that legislation together or at least advising the the policymakers on what should be in there. Are are there things that make your job more challenging now with the HIPAA Act than before? Is it largely been a good thing from your perspective, or is it is it a bit of an overreach? I think generally the the HIPAA Privacy and Security Act transactions acts we had um, we had a strong role in advocacy on Capitol Hill through our national association mm-hmm. um, with that. So we're, we're very much proponents of protecting the patient information. Um, and we were very excited to see secondary business associate entities having to comply with the regulation. So there was some shortfalls in who had to um, comply with the regulation in the beginning, and and that has improved over time with some of the changes and updates to the regulations. Um, currently, we're seeing that with uh, the electronic health record, perhaps there are even more steps that will need to be um, done in the future. You know, as for example, data analytics. Uh, more folks are wanting to access data, to analyze data, to help patient outcomes improve, be improved, and just other artificial intelligence initiatives and those types of things. I I think we will see where um, the challenges between protecting a patient's privacy and security um, will become challenged and even greater as to how much information do we want to give to others versus how much do we want to keep private to ourselves. So, um, and then always the information that's out there and available, the challenge for security is to protect that. Um, The challenge for privacy is to proactively identify what some of those risks to patient privacy might be and to try to mitigate or put plans in place before the breach of privacy even happens. Sure. And moving on, what are some of the advantages then of that digital health care information? One of the biggest advantages that clinicians would tell you about is they were challenged with paper records in the past in accessing and documenting their care timely, where one of the hugest advantages is for caregivers, and that is simply that multiple caregivers can access the electronic health record at one time and complete their documentation timely. 
other advantages are the security of the patient information because essentially a paper record was many times kept in a locked storage area. But if you had the key or if you knew how to get there, you could get there easier than what you can get into an electronic health record. So we consider security to be much higher. Another advantage that we uh, would identify would be the team now is made up of IT folks, where IT folks used to be considered support staff, but now really they are part of the decision-making team in a healthcare entity. A couple of other um, advantages are the opportunities to visualize data to tell the patient's story in a digital format. Um, you know, more and more of the clinicians use tools like dashboards that they didn't have, and that helps them sort of understand the priorities of the care that they've got to deliver to the patients that are assigned to them. As we get better and better at using data, the hope is we'll be able to predict what diseases are likely for um, a specific population. We'll be able to actually understand better the patient population that's being served within each healthcare entity. Um, and those are just a few, but there's a, there's a lot more advantages of electronic health records, such as that will help in advancing the tools that can be developed for future use um, and some current use, but like for artificial intelligence, robotics, all of those um, augmented intelligence tools that, that will be coming in the future. Um, again, some are in basic test modes and some are incorporated already, but um, there's a lot more to come. So there's a lot of exciting uh, developments with this digitization of health information. What about the downsides? What are the disadvantages in the directions we're headed? Well, one of the downsides is that we've been hit with so much data that's being collected and had to become part of the electronic health record um, that nobody really had tools developed already to easily filter out the pieces that should come to the top that are the highest priority. And so that's where the dashboards come in, but there's a lot of additional tools Mm -hmm. that need to be um, developed and utilized to help in filtering the stuff that's really important versus the stuff, the the data that's being collected simply for um, maybe just paying the bill, making sure they're supporting evidence of what the clinician did in the electronic health record. So, you know, there's a growing digital divide of of healthcare where some of the populations don't have access to services such as telehealth or internet or even computers. And so the more electronic health records grow and become utilized by clinicians, those that don't have that equal access um, will be further behind. And hopefully not, but probably their outcomes will suffer because of lagging behind. The hope would be that computerization could be expanded out into those communities and those areas that aren't participating now in electronic health records to really um, close that digital divide. And that's not just in the United States, but it is in the United States as well as several other countries as well. And one other disadvantage is probably 
that there's a lot of patient-generated data right now through like Fitbits and things like that that we haven't begun to incorporate into the electronic health record in any way. And a lot of physicians aren't utilizing that data yet. And we, you know, there's just so many pieces and parts that are moving at this point. So much new stuff that needs to be developed and incorporated. And we've still got some stuff at ground zero, some standardization that needs to occur as well. So Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of like having all the basic pieces in place and then moving to the next step isn't really what's happening. It's sort of the matrix model where the basics are still being put in place, but yet we're growing in many different ways and trying to absorb all the new technologies and the new things coming Mm -hmm. at the same time. So there's just a lot of fragmentation. Um, If you asked healthcare organizations about their project management team and how important their project management team, they would tell you in this whole process of implementing electronic health records and continuing to implement new and additional modules as they're being created, that they are just working very hard and very fast to continue to keep up with the growth. And I can say probably 10 years ago when I worked at Good Samaritan Society, we had probably 200 projects at any given time happening at the corporate office, um, hmm. you know, and so that's a that's a lot of people involved, a lot of moving pieces and parts, and a lot of things to manage to keep the projects on on track, and yeah. you know, within appropriate costs and such. So we implement an electronic health record in long-term care settings, and we had implemented an electronic health record in the home health settings. We had sensor technology um, going into assisted living sites. And so those projects are all very different and have all very different data being collected, some similar and but some very different. Um, you know, monitoring someone at home um, through technology is very different than having someone sitting in a nursing home or in a hospital. And, you know, so there's there's just a gamut of healthcare entities and the number and types of healthcare entities continue to grow as well, um, as well as telehealth services are are growing and um, now being financed, at least for the time being, being financed along, you know, with the importance that they will play in the future um, you know, I, th- I think a disadvantage right now is there's so many pieces and so much fragmentation that pieces kind of need to start to fit together to really make the system as effective as it could be. Sure. And so to optimize all the systems we already have would be a great asset. For Some healthcare. standardization across the different systems to make sure we're comparing apples to apples. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. You know, basic demographics. Probably and maybe histories and physicals of patients, but uh, much deeper than that, there's a lot of standardization that could happen across mm-hmm. the settings. And I think, you know, as some of the healthcare organizations merge and combine and get larger and expand on the number of and type of services that they offer, they're finding that there's no one EHR vendor product that that actually meets all of their needs. And so they take one that they like and um, 
meets all their requirements, and they encourage them to expand the number of modules to meet all of their needs. And so that has caused some of those vendors to come to the top of the list that that we can respond the best to the customer's needs. And they are truly the leaders, but there's probably three I would name as top leaders in the United States with electronic health records that can span multiple types of settings. And can I take it a step back? You mentioned wearables like Fitbits and Apple Watches and stuff like that. Do you see that in the future being a important factor in digital health? I do. Um, the future that I envision is that we will have tools to add on to our smartphones and Fitbit types of smartwatches or whatever devices will be expanded. The functionality will be expanded. The thought is that more care will be delivered at home or anywhere the patient wants to be or consumer wants to be, and that that information would be able to be what we call interoperable or transmitted, transferred into a patient's electronic health record. You know, in speaking about some of the challenges with all of that, one of the base challenges that we have in health information management is that every time you go see a different healthcare provider, you get assigned a different medical record number or health record number. And so that is one of the initiatives that we are fighting for on Capitol Hill to be advanced. Um, there's been a hold on Capitol Hill for a few years where um, nobody could work on developing a unique patient identifier. And so um, that in itself causes a lot of problems because if I misidentify you and I can either miss part of your record or I can cause a duplicate record that shouldn't occur, I can combine parts of your record together that aren't really you. And then you have to, when you figure out that you've got a patient combined, two patients combined into one accidentally because their demographics were similar, the age was similar, all of those fields that you utilize to identify a patient, um, if you've mixed that medical record together, merged it together at the admissions desk when you were being admitted, that is a lot of work, and you've got some tools, computer tools, to help you separate those records, but that can lead to a fatal mistake in healthcare. So that, for us, from a health information management standpoint, um, we strongly support unique patient identifiers so that if you were to go to one type of a healthcare facility provider um, that they would identify you as this patient with this number, and then they could validate that um, through something you have or something you know or some you know some security mechanism. And if you went to provider number two, they would still identify you as that very same one. So when you want your record to go from provider one to provider two, then they would easily know it's the same patient the same patient record, the same history that they're combining. And you were talking earlier about um, Fitbit devices. I have an Apple Watch. But just yesterday, um, I experienced sleep apnea, and so I use a CPAP machine. And it had been a while uh, since um, I, I needed to replace the machine. My sleep study was done over 15 years ago. 
And what's really interesting was is that the new CPAP machine I picked up yesterday, um, I have an app on my phone that connects to the, the CPAP machine. And it actually reports to the home medical equipment office where I bought it. And they can determine if those settings that I was given 15 years ago are still appropriate or adjust them remotely. I don't have to bring the machine in to be adjusted on the settings. They can all do this through this digitization. I don't know, though, if that information is included in my health records that my physician will see, but I assume that at some point, like you're talking about, we're going to get to that where we can have even more of a holistic approach of how we look at our patients, if you will, our patients. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. But when a physician is meeting with a patient, they, they not only have the, the information they gather before the visit, blood pressure, blood sugars, whatever it might be, blood screens, but all this other additional useful information about how they're doing elsewhere outside of that clinical setting. So it really is exciting. It is, and you may be surprised with that information may be transmitted to your doctor's clinic. Really? Um, okay. You know, it, it just kind of depends on sure, where, where the clinic and where your vendor is at. But, mm-hmm. yeah, technically it's possible. Wow. That's just amazing. It, it really uh, astounded me that I wouldn't have to make another appointment to visit the home medical people to make those adjustments that they can do those remotely. But uh, to think that would become part of my total record that my physician would look at and see if there's other adjustments and other things that he's working with me on. That's pretty neat. You know, one of the things that I think will change in time is I think there's a need for a lifetime medical record because many times you think, well, that happened to me when I was a kid and I don't really remember the details of it, Right. right? And it becomes pertinent as you age. And many of the states have retention rules about, you know, at what point can you destroy a a medical record or a health record. And some states have no keep it permanent rules, and some states have keep it 25 years. Federal regulations, I forget if it's five years or seven years, but they have a limitation on, you know, what the statute of limitations is for keeping that documentation around. And and I think that's one of the challenging things that needs to change um, because as we're doing more research on patients, if we had access to lifetime information, genetic information, all the types of information that really are accumulated over a patient's lifetime, we would be able to, I, I think, advance healthcare in a whole new way. You bet. And I think the opportunity will will be there now with electronic health records, especially for the newborns of today mm-hmm. versus us that have been around a couple of years. Cyberology. Okay. And so how does the digitization of all this health information impact caregivers? The physicians have had mixed reactions to it. Some of the physicians find themselves spending a lot more time documenting using computers versus some of their older technologies and older mechanisms that they use to document patient care. You know, there's a huge concern about burnout of physicians. Some of the countries that I've studied, um, physicians' response to the EHRs 
are saying that when they didn't have to document as much for finance and support of the payment for patient claims, they they seem to be much happier about the documentation that they had to do. So not that anybody likes documentation, because in, in reality, <laughs> um, if, if physicians could totally automate that and make that process much more seamless and they didn't have to spend any time documenting, you know, it just was automatic tracking or whatever, reporting the care that they provided to patients, they would be much happier. So they see documentation in many times as kind of a waste of one of those wasted tasks, that wasted time on tasks that they'd like to um, get rid of. Nurses have learned pretty well to document on computers as well. You know, I think they have learned more quickly than anybody to rely on dashboards. When they're doing medication administration passes for um, a whole group of patients that they have to administer medications to, they're finding that using that dashboard helps them to know exactly who they need to deliver those meds to next and helps keep them within their required timeframes for delivery of meds. So I think nurses overall have a great love for electronic health records. Many nurses have actually um, moved into a field called nursing informatics and like Mm. to um, train others on using informatics and want to advance its use in nursing. So um, I'd say overall nurses have a positive outlook on it. What we found um, from our health information management programs here at DSU is that we found that Many of the healthcare degree programs have not yet incorporated health informatics into their programs deep enough, and they're finding now that they need to spend more time teaching the students about technology and about how to really incorporate it and use it well for decision-making because no longer are they just documenting what they did. Now they're having to use that information that they've documented to advance their decision-making and care that they're providing. So how about with digital healthcare information and the patient from their perspective? How does this affect them? Patients have the ability to see some key documentation through patient portals that they've probably never looked at before. So they have a new opportunity to read some of the basic information, some labs, that type of thing. But one big advantage is that they're able to um, communicate with physicians through the patient portals, Mm -hmm. um, which is easier access for them to get to the physician. They're able to order medication refills through the patient portal rather than calling the pharmacy or calling the doctor's office. How does digital healthcare information simplify healthcare administration? Within an organization, it um, consolidates a health organization's records into an electronic format. Some of the records may be scanned, and some of them may be input directly into the electronic health record by clinicians. So more than one worker can access a patient's record at the time. So that eliminates waiting time on the behalf of the clinicians. Um, Also, having electronic security systems in place reduces access to a patient's documentation um, to those that truly have the need to access the information. There have been many healthcare providers along the way that 
have snooped in somebody else's record that they didn't really need to see it, and usually that ends up in an instant termination. So people learned that lesson really quickly, but that was one of the first lessons in electronic health information, Mm -hmm. health record information. What changes will impact managing this healthcare information in the future? I believe the unique patient identifier probably will come about in time. I believe artificial intelligence will advance. Augmented intelligence tools, I think, will be developed. More robotics, more more things to supplement what caregivers are doing. My hope is more tools to help in areas of safety management would be identified and, and would be used in healthcare in general. I think we will find new ways to meet that physician's need to document healthcare and the clinician's needs of documenting healthcare. I suspect there's enough unhappiness with people typing into computers, that we're going to see many, many new ways um, experimented with to figure out what's going to work to document patient care. Because I don't think what we have today is what we will have in 10 years or 20 years down the road. I think it will be a completely different system, completely different process. And change is always hard, I mean, for everybody. What are the anticipated challenges Uh, to moving forward? I mean, are there obstacles that have been identified now that need to be overcome to to move forward, to continue with this progression? Well, I think um, one is cost. One is cost because all of our new technology has to be paid for and it it generally is not cheap. And so um, cost is a limiting factor. How much cost prepared workers to use use the tools and information, et cetera, correctly, um, training is needed. So the roles of the workforce sort of are, they're changing. And similar to what we've heard about impact of technology in any industry, um, healthcare is no different where um, a task you did today by hand, manually, might tomorrow be automated and be handed off to a whole different area um, than where you're employed at. And so some other person who's never worked with it, doesn't have your experience, might be doing the task. And so the the jobs are changing, the workforce requirements and skill sets are changing and will continue to change. And so I think a barrier to that is you don't know what to train on to be prepared for the next step so that you can get ahead of the game on that. This is such a fascinating topic because I think it impacts absolutely everyone. Mm -hmm. It does. It does. It's exciting, though, too, Uh, with the information being more readily accessible especially in those cases that we're not familiar with. And, and all of a sudden we have information available to us on what might be a, a, a viable alternative course of treatment. It's an exciting time to be alive. It is. And, and you know, like I say, you can't really even foresee what 20 years will be like because the speed of this change is lightning speed. It is so fast. 
And like I said, all the pieces that need to come together, it's really identifying what healthcare has kind of been going through for many, many years about how complex a healthcare system is and how important it is to try to decrease the errors to get the errors, you know, similar to what the airline industry has where they just have very, very few errors. Some of our processes in healthcare for many years have been very error prone. And the hope is that automation will improve those processes. But the other side of it is you want to make sure that the automation doesn't create additional errors as well, you know, such as when artificial intelligence, the pieces of artificial intelligence that don't have the best result. How do you stop that from growing with machine learning? How do you stop that piece from growing? And so, you know, there's a lot of unknowns that we have, I think, and it certainly is going to take a lot of human capacity to figure out what's good about the changes and what should we go forward with and maybe what should we back away from a little bit. Okay. Any final thoughts? I just say thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh Anyone that has questions about health information management can certainly call me at Dakota State University. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today. And thanks to Xander Morrison, our podcast producer. And thank you for listening to Cyberology. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider taking a moment of your time to rate and review. 